Blog Talk Radio. This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversation, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Sam Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the SoLink front of the house. And coming to you from Lenox Tower Studio at FRM Solutions and the beautiful Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia, this is Franchise Today, and I'm Stan Friedman. Today is Wednesday, March 20th, 2019. March 20th. Really? Will someone please tell me where the first quarter of this year has gone? I mean, come on. The IFA convention has already come and gone. The unconference just wrapped up last weekend. The multi-unit conference is knocking on the front door, and before you know it, we'll all be headed to New York for the IFE. But none of that will happen before I thank last week's guest, Shannon Wilburn. What a great guest, and what a compelling story, and just an all-around incredible human being. I'll tell you what, anyone signing on as one of her franchisees at Just Between Friends will be joining forces with one of the most selfless, giving people on the planet. And if you haven't already done so, be certain to download last week's episode of Franchise Today from iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, or anywhere the podcasts are found, and I guarantee you will not regret tuning into that episode. Shannon, thanks again for being with us. And hey, speaking of places where podcasts are found, yesterday I discovered that Alexis Skills have been trained to include finding the latest episode each week of Franchise Today. So all you need to do, you Amazon Echo and Echo Dot users, is simply say, Alexa, play the Franchise Today podcast, and just like that, you'll find us there too. So with all of that said, today the Soul Link Front of the House is appropriately all about Generation Zs, or Gen Zs, as published in a report printed by the Business News Daily. How much more appropriate could the timing of this report be given that today's guest, David McKinnon, who will join us in just a few minutes, underwrites and heads the IFA NextGen Franchising Program, along with about a gazillion other things that he has been involved with and continues to do in franchising. But before I bring David on, let me share a snapshot of this research. And then when David joins us, maybe he'll comment further on some of it as well. I grabbed this, by the way, from last week's IFA Smart Brief, and I'll post it along with its many live links to the Franchise Today Facebook page, If you'd like to read it and see a little bit more about it and click into those live links, you'll have the opportunity to do so. So this study finds finds that Gen Z workers expect a fast track to success, and that's that's said by Andrew Martins of Business News Daily. As the oldest members of Generation Z begin entering the workforce, employers across the U.S. are left wondering what makes this latest influx of workers different from their millennial counterparts. There's no mistaking that this demographic, having never known a world without without the Internet, sees the world through much different eyes. So Generation Z comprises youth born between 1997 and 2002, according to Pew Research. Research research by Manpower Group suggests that this group of youths will make up approximately 24% of the global workforce by the year 2020. 
To better understand the group, training and development company Inside Out Development recently polled 1,000 Gen Zers on what they wanted from a prospective employer. Its findings revealed a generation of workers who want more out of their careers and believe that all the perks of advancement should come sooner rather than later. The workplace aspirations of Gen Z, according to Inside Out Development Study, Gen Z's workers expect to be placed on the fast track for better pay and promotions. Approximately 75% of respondents said that they felt they should be given a promotion in their first position after only a year on the job, while another 32% believed the promotion should come within the actual first six months of work. The survey also found that 40% 40% of Gen Zers feel that they'll make more than 100 grand a year once they reach the peak of their career, and half of that group believes they'll make more than 150000 a year in the same period. While that may sound like an ambitious task to strive for as a newcomer, the study also found that 88% of respondents said they were willing to work harder and longer hours to reach their career goals, Roughly 72% admitted being naturally competitive with colleagues in similar roles, and 75% said that they'd be interested in holding multiple positions within a company if it meant they could accelerate their career advancement. So what Gen Zers want in a job when it comes to getting members of this fledgling demographic interested in a career, the study suggests that Gen Z really looks for two, two main factors, stability and development. The top career goal among respondents was to land a position where they feel secure and stable. Having seen their loved ones go through the Great Recession during their formative years, almost 70% of respondents said they'd rather work at a stable job than one that they're passionate about. This figure highlights a key difference between Gen Z and their millennial counterparts who were more interested in finding jobs that did more for their happiness than did perhaps for their financial stability. Members of Gen Z also want to feel connected to the company's organizational results. As such, respondents said they hunger for development opportunities. The study found that 36% of Gen Zers worried they'd be stuck in a job that didn't give them chances to grow. It also found that 86% felt they'd lose time each day on tasks unrelated to their core job responsibilities, and 40% felt they'd waste at least an hour or more on unrelated administrative tasks. So Gen Z stresses and worries, while survey respondents said they were confident that their ability to work their way up the organizational ladder would be there in other areas where confidence waned. According to Inside Out Development's data, almost 90% of respondents said they expected constant feedback from their boss, but 54% admitted they were afraid to ask for it. There's an incredible amount of information here and a a vast number of differences between Gen Z's and their millennial counterparts. And in just a moment, we will be asking our guest, David McKinnon, uh, to join us and see if he's got anything further he may share with reference to some of the information as just reported in this report and all about his experiences with the IFA Next Gen program as well. But first... I must remind you that the front of the house is brought to you today by Solink, providers of amazing loss prevention technology for restaurant and retail. In fact, I liken Solink and what it has done for loss prevention to what Apple and Android have done for cell phones. They've made these systems smarter. Whether you operate a single unit or a multi-unit empire, 
or perhaps you're the franchisor or executive of a retail or restaurant brand concerned with unit-level economics for the restaurant or retail business, take my advice and learn more about Solink today. When deployed, Solink's technology captures instances of exceptional behavior at all of your sites. Solink records everything that goes on in the front and the back of the house, eliminating the need to review hours of tape to identify these exceptions. Solink's technology captures it all and provides reports that actually direct your attention to the specific video clips of those exceptional transactions, giving you full visibility into every action and transaction at every site from any device and the ability to do so on demand. Whether these are unusual transactions or unauthorized activity, Solink utilizes your current point of sale and security camera systems, providing you added value from those existing technologies. That's right, there's no new camera or hardware equipment required to make Solink work for you. Catch up with them at the upcoming multi-unit conference in Las Vegas, and as always, find them online at www.solink.com. And now, with all of that said, it's time to introduce you to someone that I know as truly one of the great icons in franchising. David McKinnon's career in franchising spans dozens of years of success and greatness, but he's achieved all of this with a singular focus, a focus on principle-centered leadership in everything that he touches. Over the past 40 years, David has demonstrated an extraordinary ability to recognize unmet needs in the marketplace, innovate solutions, and establish recognizable brands. David McKinnon is a fire-tested executive with business acumen, that he has combined with an unshakable set of beliefs. And with that as a foundation, David has guided his companies, companies through three major recessions, including the dot-com meltdown, meltdown and the Great Recession itself. David's business interests have spanned technology, home services, business-to-business -business telephony, and consumer products. As the co-founder of Service Brands International, David built numerous franchise companies that have employed more than 6,000 people with combined revenues exceeding $400 million. David sold his interests in SPI in 2015 and today provides a sizable endowment to the IFA Educational Foundation for the funding of NextGen Franchising, a worldwide program that supports those Gen Zs and Millennials as a youth entrepreneur. Additionally, David provides leadership as a senior advisor to the neighborly brands and through his many other business interests, David continues to help people around the world achieve their dreams and their ambitions. Can we get it all into what's left of an hour, David? I don't know, we can try. Welcome to Franchise Today, my friend. Thank you, Stan, good to be with you. And it's great to have you here. David, we're going to touch on a great many things, but what, what says you about some of the data that I just shared in that Gen Z report about what Gen Zers are looking for from employers today as compared to well, millennials? I, I think there's some good news for franchisors in there because uh, I don't think that the workplace is going to be able to, de to deliver what they're looking for in the time frames they're looking for, and I think that ultimately... Uh, many of them are going to turn to wanting to be their own boss, and uh, franchising is, uh, if not uh, the only place, uh, maybe the best place uh, for sure 
for people who have those kinds of desires and needs to meet them is uh, by starting a franchise. So I think there's some good news in there for franchising. Excellent insight. We're going to touch a lot more in the time we spend together today on next gen and, and youth entrepreneurship. Um, but we want to start the interview today, David, the way we start every week. And, and that's to say that with the exception of programs that are coming along today, like NextGen or the Titus Franchise Center, where we're seeing more people intentionally uh, get involved in franchising, for the most of us out there, franchising and us didn't get together that way. It's not that we went to school to study to become franchisors, but rather franchising finds us instead of it, us finding it. Rewind the tape for us and take us back in time, David, to before the 40-year run that became your life in franchising. What led you there, and how did that look? Well, you know, that's a great, uh, a, a great point. I found franchising by not looking for it, as you said. Uh, <laughs> I, I was a corporate guy, and I grew up in, in Toronto, Canada, and I was working for a Fortune 50 company. And um, a friend of mine that uh, went to my church said, hey, uh, you know, you're a, a finance guy and a numbers guy. I'm going to a seminar tonight on franchising. Would you come with me? And uh, all of that ended up leading to uh, me and my friend becoming a carpet cleaning franchisee for ServiceMaster in Toronto. And I left my corporate career and uh, much to the chagrin of my parents uh, to quote unquote clean carpets and uh, <laughs> uh, we ended up being one of the first uh, million dollar franchises in the service master system and we had tremendous success and um, in that process I learned uh, a number of things um, uh, about franchising and about the, the ability of franchising to deliver uh, to a person, a, a life that, uh, you know, you just can't get by working for somebody else. And uh, during that time in Canada, the, one of the folks that worked for me, his wife, uh, Adrian Stringer, Chris Stringer was my friend's name, his wife Adrian was the founder of Molly Maid, and it led to me acquiring the rights for Molly Maid and uh, selling my Service Master franchise and moving to Ann Arbor, Michigan and launching um the great brand of molly made uh and it wasn't uh it wasn't just pushing a button let me tell you that but it was a lot of work but it allowed um, me and uh, my family to help a lot of other people discover what i had discovered which was uh being in franchising is not being in business uh, by yourself but for yourself with the help of of many others and it was a great as you say 40-year ride couldn't recommend it higher so that takes us back into the mid-'80s, thereabout, plus-minus? 1984. And then from there, move the ball forward for us and help us get a better handle about your transition from franchisee to franchisor. So I would be remiss to not tell two, two quick stories. Um, first of all, it was way harder than I thought it would be, uh, building a franchise company. But... Uh, we uh, we had a back then there was uh, these franchise shows that happened almost every weekend of the year maybe 45 weekends a year run by a guy named Don Palladino and they would move <laughs> from city to city and uh, 
myself and uh, one or two other people would go there and and show our wares, if you will, and talk to people as they wandered through the aisles about why they should quit their jobs and and join in this great adventure uh, Molly made, or the guy next to me, uh, whatever they were selling, printing franchises and fast food restaurants, etc. And uh, we had done maybe five or six of these shows, and uh, a good show would have been 3,000 people and maybe uh, a follow-up of 20 20 to 30 people afterwards, and then maybe you'd get lucky and get one or two franchise sales out of it. But the, the, the story I wanted to tell your listeners is that we were in uh, Anaheim, California. I'd never been to California before. We were at Disney World, uh, a hotel next, next to the property, and uh, 12,000 people came through that weekend. We ran out of all of our, all of our materials by uh, uh, 11 o'clock. And uh, I ran down and uh, fortunately had the foresight to rent a room for Monday night at uh, 7 o'clock. And I just handed out little sheets of torn off paper that said, you know, 7 p.m., the Laguna room, uh, Monday night. And said, you know, we'll see you on Monday night. We'll give you a lot more information then. And I don't know how many we handed out, but uh, thousands of them. And um, Monday night, 7 o'clock rolled around, and there was uh, one person that was um, unqualified in many regards to be in the room. And I was extremely disappointed and was sure that this was going to be the last franchise show we had done, we've done. And by 7.30, there was 150 people in the room. Hmm. And I don't know the exact number, but I'm going to say uh, more than 10, less than 30 uh, franchises were awarded out of that evening in Anaheim because of wow. that time together. And that really saved our company. That really was the, the line in the sand that we, you know, we realized we had something that, that was pretty special. And so um, uh, to, to fast forward the timeline, as you suggested, we, uh, we went through the 80s and the, um, I had a little... Uh, momentous event where we sold our company to Johnson's Wax and that didn't go so well and we ended up buying it back again and really taking a new look at how to go at the business and uh, develop some software that uh, allowed us to really surpass all of our competitors and um, uh, you know today the average Molly made does millions of dollars a year not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and I can attribute that to that fresh new look at how we approached the business in the early 90s to, as the reason for that success. And if we just kind of flash the tape back a little bit as well to that infamous name that you dropped, Don Palladino, uh, those in the audience that have no idea who Don Palladino is, I'll bet do have a much better idea about who Tom Portese is and what MFV Expos is today was born out of the old Don Palladino days. And I've heard, David, more than a couple of stories about Don Palladino from our mutual friend, Jerry Darnell. Um, and I've had the good fortune of living through a couple of those Don Palladino stories, first person in the singular as well. Uh, absolutely. The, the thing that uh, I loved about Don Palladino was he was ultimately, extremely transparent and um, these shows were promoted on radio and television during 
the week preceding the show, you know, come to come to this such and such convention center and learn how to be your own boss and take control of your life, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the, you know, the entry fee was anywhere between 10 and 25 bucks in cash usually. And, uh, you know, without thinking a lot about it, I, you know, I'd be standing there at a lull of the moment thinking, you know, there's 3,000 people here at 20 bucks. That's, uh, oh, wow. What, what, what does Don do with that money? And sure enough, I saw Don putting on a, a beard, a fake disguise one day with a sack full of cash as he walked his way over to the bank to d- deposit it over the weekend, um, wearing a disguise so that someone wouldn't recognize him. But uh, <laughs> some great stories about Don and uh, how he uh, figured out how to stash the cash, if you will. <laughs> so you brought Molly Maid back and further developed it. And at what point did the Mr. Handyman brand present itself in how? So we were in the late 90s, and um, probably 80% of the franchise inquiries were for markets that were already awarded. And we, in Molly Maid, we had exclusive territories. So let's just use the example we used in recently on, the, on the, this discussion. Southern California was sold out. So if someone were to call from Laguna Beach and say, hey, I saw your cars driving around or I saw your ad in the L.A. Times, uh, most of this was was pre-Internet, um, you know, we would have to say, I'm sorry, that, that territory's been sold. And, you know, one day the sort of the, the bell hit us and said, wow, that that's, uh, you know, we're going to get that the rest of our life uh, with this. We, we, we have the knowledge of how to franchise a brand. We have the knowledge of how to train a brand, how to support a franchisee, uh, how to get them up and running. Uh, we are, you know, we're not stewarding uh, our talents well here, and so we need to find another brand that we can uh, sell franchises to in these territories that are locked up. And uh, one of the frequent requests uh, from our customers was, uh, "Can you recommend a handyman?" And so um, I did a quick search along with one of my associates, a guy named Ted Kennedy at the, at our home office, and found a guy that had a business called Mr. Handyman in northern Massachusetts. And uh, I said, Ted, why don't you call this guy and see, you know, what the what what his story is, and is there, is there something we could do together? Long story short, I ended up going to meet with David Laval. And uh, I think maybe then six children, now maybe ten, uh, had Christmas dinner with them, was kindly invited into their home. And uh, we put together a deal where David would retain his business and his ownership of, of the Mr. Handyman uh, brand in his market. But the, the Service Friends International, our now umbrella company over top of Molly Made and whatever else we were going to add to it, um, to the offerings uh, of our customers and to take it um, to be a, a national brand. And uh, that worked extremely well. We realized that we had a formula. Um, there were uh, people that uh, w- wouldn't go on the ladder, didn't know how to turn a screw, couldn't plumb a line, whatever it was, and there was a need for this handyman service. And so we built the Mr. Handyman brand as the second brand under the the service brands and Molly made uh, umbrella 
uh, as the first two steps of uh, seven total brands that we ultimately built under the service brand umbrella. Why don't you call out what those other brands were, David? So we, uh, I, I'm not going to claim the exact order of them, but uh, Molly made Mr. Handyman um, Certified Restoration Dry Clean Network, uh, 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, uh, Ducks, Hoods. Um, we also had uh, outside of the umbrella because we were uh, a partnership with a, another founder, uh, the PuroClean Disaster Restoration brand, uh, to name a few. So, David, there are a great many icons in our world of franchising who have had tremendous success as the founders of a single brand. I can count on far few fingers the numbers of those who have succeeded with two or three brands, but seven brands? So, David, there's got to be some magic at work here. That That is the reason for that, and I can't help but think that part of what I shared in the introduction, in the introduction today about you not only being a fire-tested executive with business acumen, but that you have a set of unshakable beliefs. Why don't you share what some of those are and how they've played into the success of business for you? Well, uh, thank you for that, Stan. Uh, looking back, um, now that I've had a few years to reflect on it, um, I would say the, the unshakable belief that the franchisee must make money is, is the number one uh, foundation that made service brands successful. We, you know, we were n not happy until we had franchisees achieving the targeted numbers of percentage for profit and volumes that we we set uh, in, in in advance of launching those brands for them. So that was one. Number two, I can tell you and your audience uh, a statistic that I'm extremely proud of. I'd never, ever, ever read a franchise contract. Uh, there were times when there were heated debates about, you know, this isn't working for me. You sold me uh, um, something that I didn't know you were selling me, or blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to hire an attorney, and they might, may or may not have hired an attorney. I never looked at their franchise agreement. I always went directly to them and said, Obviously, if this isn't working for you, then it isn't working for me because, by definition, it needs to work for you for it to work for me. What do we need to do? And uh, that's we we had one serious piece of litigation in the late 80s that stemmed out of our time when we sold uh, part of the company to Johnson's Wax, and it was certainly was not their fault. Um, the, the franchisees were unhappy with that transaction for a variety of reasons. But all of that said, that was put to bed very, fairly quickly, and we never had a material piece of litigation since that time, since the time we sold the company. And I attribute that to the fact that we, uh, you know, we we did not look, at, we were we were not a legalistic company company at all. And so it all came down to the relationship in the end with the franchisees, and every employee that worked uh, for me and with me on the team at uh, Service Brands knew that uh, 
the number one goal was to have happy franchisees, successful franchisees, and uh, failing that, we could not call ourselves a success. And so those are the, the a couple of the things, Stan, that I would say, you know, set us apart from everyone else in the franchise world. I'd love for you to take us up to the time where this great big package that an enterprise that you built around 2015 or so was was uh, sold to what was then still the Dwyer Group. Tell us a little bit about that. And then when we come back from the break, um, after that, we'll, we'll get more into today's world of next gen and some of the things that are driving you and, and the passions around franchising that have your focus and attention today. But first, tell us a little bit about the run-up to the sale to the Dwyer Group, David. So, you know, we, we got to the point where uh, we were – almost $400 million a year in, in customer-level revenue. Uh, I was approaching 60 years old. Um, I felt that um, there were younger, uh, more well-funded, more future-thinking people that could take the business to new heights. And so we knew that at some point in time, you know, we would have a transition. And so probably 15 years before that, we put a, a thing in place that said, you know, this is our goal when we hit these levels, when we hit this kind of achievement, this would be the time that we would contemplate um, another person stepping into our shoes and taking it to the next level. And I chased a guy named Craig Donaldson, um, former um, executive with a, a number of uh, franchise companies where he had great success in taking them uh, and finding, uh, you know, executing shareholder values at a at a very high level. And after 11 years of chasing this guy, I finally got him to join our team. And we put a three-year plan in place with him uh, to find, a, uh, to ultimately find a suitor for uh, acquiring our company. And uh, almost to the day, uh, but certainly to the month, we executed on that plan and uh, June 12th, uh, 2015, we uh, sold our brand, uh, all of our brands, to the, the then Dwyer Group, now Neighborly, um, in the summer of 2015, and uh, it could not have been a better solution for our franchisees, our company, and our, our shareholders. Great stuff, and we've got plenty more to go. We're just getting started with David McKinnon. We'll be right back with more Franchise Today. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsor. And Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communications to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance, too, is simplified with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospects, replacing old-style virtual brochures. 
No long-term contracts are required. Multiple upgrades offered each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Hey, David, you talked a minute ago about developing some software, and, and it came to my attention as I was learning more about some of the accolades that have been part of your past that you had an award that you won not once but twice in your career back in the 90s, 94 and 95, a two-time winner of the World Windows Award, a competition where judges select finalists from over 100 entries in the Windows World Open Software Development Competition. Basically, it's an annual showcase that features the talents of developers worldwide that use the Microsoft Windows operating system and development platforms. So unlike some in the world of franchising who I encounter on a daily basis who developed some of these things that became legacy systems that were much, much bigger than, than they were ever anticipated to be, you actually went about software with some knowledge. I didn't know that was part of your, your world, David, but I live and learn something every day too. So thank you for that and for sharing that with me by way of my research. Yeah, just a quick quick story on that. I had a a very unique situation. I was I was always sort of a wannabe techie guy. I'm a, a certified gadget, and we were always on the sort of the bleeding edge of technology. And uh, I was introduced to a guy named Ted Kennedy, who I mentioned uh, earlier in the Mr. Handyman. And uh, Ted was a software developer extraordinaire. And uh, I told him what I wanted to do with this scheduling software for Molly Made and our franchisees. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we can do that, we can do that. So long story short, developed it, phenomenal, awesome. Key key reason our company you know took over uh, all of our competition. And he comes to me one day and he says, David, I want to enter our company in the Windows World Open and uh, and get Comdex, which is the big uh, software show. And I said, uh, I rolled my eyes to myself, not to him. I said, sure, Ted. So he went away and did it, and he calls me. Uh, on Monday night, and he says, "David, I think we got a chance to win this thing." And Bill Gates is presenting the award. Any any chance you could get here by you know noon tomorrow? So I I did, and I got there, and sure enough, we were, we won the award and got to spend probably an hour with uh, with Bill Gates afterwards, and and then the next, which was incredible, and the next year uh, we did developed a, a, another side to the business, which was the franchisee side. Uh, actually, the the home office side, the franchisee side, was first. So we developed the uh, the home office side, and that one again in the second year. And again, we <laughs> spent another hour with Bill Gates, and so uh, we had just this incredible team of people that uh, uh, took things to the max and had big big visions for what it could be, what it could do, and done. And and that was the platform that Service Brands ran uh, until we sold the company on. Great stuff, great stuff, and I would never have known that. I'm so happy to have learned that. In addition to all the other things that I have known about you, I did not know that. And let's talk a little bit about benevolence, because that, too, is a very large part of your life, David, and it will run us up to the next gen, but maybe a word or two first about his hands to you and the Miss Molly Foundation, um, and that will lead us into the IFA and next gen. So um, I had pneumonia during the O.J. Simpson trial. And I've never missed a day of work in my life, except for the three or four weeks that uh, I had pneumonia 
and I literally got to watch the entire O.J. Simpson trial, which brought, if you remember back then, brought a tremendous uh, focus on domestic violence in our country. And um, during that time, um, one of the um, home service professionals cleaning our home from Molly Maid came in, and my wife noticed that she had a black eye. And my wife talked to her and um, found out that, you know, after a, a longer discussion that she had, in fact, been um, hit by her boyfriend. And uh, out of that, my wife decided that uh, Molly Maid could benefit from being a public forum for a voice for women uh, and create awareness of this social plague and make create awareness and, and be funding. So she created the Ms. Molly Foundation and uh, what that ultimately ended up leading to was uh, every October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, uh, all of our franchisees in their each in their local community end up giving a percentage of their revenue to a domestic violence shelter and collecting goods and dollars from their customers and giving it to that shelter and in creating awareness and it's been just a phenomenal success for uh, for helping the uh, raise awareness and money for shelters and for uh, helping victims of domestic violence which ultimately led to uh, my wife Karen being recognized by the White House and given an award at the White House by Al Gore uh, for her her work in 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 that regard. Outstanding. Uh, yes, and it continues to to this day. Uh, once when we sold, um, uh, this is um, a little more. Um, my that was all her her work. It was her, it was her idea, her efforts that made that successful. Uh, when we sold service brands to the Dwyer Group, I had put in my uh, will and my uh, estate planning that I would donate some monies to the International Foundation upon uh, upon our demise. And I went to a, a meeting where there were these kids from all over the world that had come before they really knew what NextGen was, but they ran a a uh, first-year program, and I got to sit with these kids and and hear them tell their stories about their entrepreneurial ideas. And I immediately said, you know, I think I could, I think I could turn this into something that would be a a good cause for franchising, a good cause for the International Franchise uh, Association Foundation, and uh, accelerate my my giving to the fund uh, to the to the foundation ahead of my demise and be a part of this so that's what I decided to do literally on the spot and um, we just had our fifth year this year uh, we've we get hundreds uh, of applications a year from multiple countries uh, we had six countries uh, this year that were winners and uh, we bring them we fly them to the convention uh, they have to be between 18 and 35. It's called the Next Gen and Franchising Global Competition. And uh, we look for the best new creative franchise ideas around the world. And uh, we fly them into the convention. We take the group, the larger group, we, and we narrow it down to the final three. 
uh, during a two-day process at the convention. And then on the last day of the convention, we have sort of a, a Shark Tank-like uh, program where we have uh, guest judges. Last year we had Damon John from um, from Shark Tank, and this year year we had Carly Fiorina, um, the former CEO of Hewlett Packard and former presidential candidate, as our celebrity judge. And we take the final three, who then pitch their ideas to the audience and those judges. The judges then ask them questions, and then we let the audience uh, vote on their cell phones and iPads, etc., uh, as to who the winner w w will be of the three. And uh, it's it's a very, very exciting program. It was rated the number one program at the IFA convention last year, and we haven't seen the results for this year, but I would presume it'll be at the top again. And uh, it's just a thrill to watch these kids uh, get this kind of publicity and uh, fame for their businesses, and they all go back and get tons of local media, and their business get tremendous boosts, and we assign them uh, mentors out of the International Franchise Association who host calls with them and support them, and uh, it's just been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done, Stan. Where did that passion come from, David? What, when, did you, when did you get to a place where you said, I really aspire to, to working with molding the clay with these youth? And, uh, and putting such energy, especially at a time in your life where you could have chosen to just, you know, take it to the farm and, and relax more, um, you're putting a great deal of work into this, and you're, and you're writing a check for it to underwrite it, are you not? Uh, yes is the answer to the, to the last question. <laughs> um, the the two, two things, I can, I can give you two reasons. One, I grew up in a third-world country. I, I, I was a missionary kid. Uh, I was a missionary kid. I grew up on the island of Tortola in the British Virgin Islands, uh, a wonderful place to be, especially when you're a kid. And um, I have a, a great desire to help uh, people who are less fortunate than, than us. And the second thing was is um, I vowed to myself, uh, you know, as we were running through the, the cycle of service brands that, at some point in my life, I would give back to franchising because it, it gave me so much. And so when I went to that one session five years ago where I saw what a huge impact we could have in someone's, in a young entrepreneur's life, you know, halfway around the world that didn't have the things that we have here and what an impact it could make, it just really grabbed me uh, and, and got a hold of me and and I, I just fell in love with this idea of, of, of this competition and finding finding these new ideas and uh, helping people achieve their dreams just uh, through franchising like uh, like what happened to me. And these, for the most part, are young kids who are not looking to become franchisees per se, but these are these are concept people. They're giving birth to ideas that. They're taking back either to their countries or those that are from North America uh, looking for the help and the guidance of leadership and professionals like you. Uh, but you're actually building brands here. You are building that, that thing that I hope becomes the, the delta between franchising today being unintentional and franchising be becoming something like the Titus Center and Dr. Ben Letalian's program at Georgetown and the program that's taught at Cornell and here in um, Atlanta area at Kennesaw State, where entrepreneurship 
and entrepreneurship franchising become the antithesis of what we grew up with and becomes far more intentional. Do you, do you see that on the horizon, David? Do you think that it's within reach? I do. I, uh, I, I, I am a great supporter of the Titus Center. Uh, Dr. John Hayes is a, a big supporter of my next-gen program and, and vice versa. Uh, and I, I think that uh, I'll just tell you a quick story. We had a finalist this year. Princess uh, was her name uh, from the Philippines, and uh, she had a concept called What's Your Flan, F-L-A-N, What's Your Flan. And she started this in her own kitchen with $20, and last year she grossed over a million dollars. And she, she's got a, a simple franchise concept of selling flans on the streets of countries in, the, uh, in and around the Philippines and wants to expand it around the world. And here's a young lady, uh, you know, less than 30 years old, who has this idea, has this dream that in her mind is just as serious as, as Molly Maid was in my mind in the 80s and 90s today, um, but not doesn't have the resources, doesn't have the knowledge base or the access to the knowledge base until she won uh, as a finalist in the next-gen competition, and now she does. And so that's the rewarding part is to be able to make a small uh, – uh, I guess the, 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 the example I would give is this. Uh, $1,000 to someone in a third-world country – is like a million dollars to somebody in them in America, and so you have tremendous leverage if you can identify winners around the world through a competition and then lean in into their business and into their ideas and not for very much money or very much resources. you can have a tremendous impact not just on their life but the life of the people that they're selling their franchise concepts to, and nothing gets me more excited about uh, having an impact in the world and through uh, the method of franchising. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to a fantastic young lady who comes from another iconic franchise comp- or franchise family, who uh, I'm talking about Jennifer Cashel, who really gave birth to the early stages of what has become next gen and had the vision for working with and the passion for working with youth entrepreneurship and, um, and took the first leg of this race to trying to embrace entrepreneurs from millennial and Gen Z's uh, and handed that baton over to IFA's next gen program under your guidance and leadership. And this thing just continues to grow. And David, you know, the proof of how popular this initiative is can be found as simply as finding the link that IFA has posted so that those who attended convention and want to try to find their pictures from the various events, I'm going to bet that there are more David McKinnon pictures in that stack online than any, anyone else out there because there were so many people that were taking a photo with you around the next gen program that you just showed up there is like at the top of the page and at the top of the fold, at the fold, at the bottom of the fold, everywhere I turned, there was David McKinnon. And so that just speaks to the relevancy and the importance of the work that you're focused on with Next Gen and how, how much it's resonating with others within IFA. And for that, I salute you, and I'm proud to, to call you a friend and that Jennifer Cashel, too, brought my eyes and focus to the attention of that work and now the work that you continue to fund 
and make possible is is going to be a tremendous legacy to the IFA and franchising for many, many years to come. David, you wear not one, not two, but three hats um, as IFA defines those that are involved in its organizational structure. You as a franchisor for many, many years, you as a supplier, because you're still involved in many different companies that are part and parcel of IFA, some on the supplier side as well. And now, too, you as a franchisee, you've hit the trifecta. Let's talk a little bit about some of those other things that are involved in your life and that have caught and captured your attention in the time that we've got left. Well, hey, thank you for your previous uh, generous comments, and my goal is not to have as many pictures uh, as I can on the <laughs> IFA thing, but my goal is to make a difference in the lives of people that uh, uh, have these great franchise concepts around the world so they can achieve success. So when I sold service brands to the to the then Dwyer Group, uh, one of the things that I did is I, uh, uh, along with a partner of mine named Alan Gotthard in your hometown of Atlanta, Mm -hmm. uh, who's coming to visit me tomorrow here in the desert for a few days. Uh, one of the things we did is we created a uh, uh, venture capital slash private equity firm called Trinity Ventures, and we've invested in nine companies uh, so far. And um, uh, the first one we talked a little bit about earlier uh, is a franchise company uh, called Tot Squad with Jennifer Saxton uh, is the founder and uh, incredible leader of that business. Um, but uh, another one is Clarity, uh, Clarity Phones, Franchise Phones, which is a, a company that provides uh, voice over IP telephone service uh, to franchisors and car dealers around the world. Uh, and so we, I've had a lot of fun just, if you will, dabbling and being part of young entrepreneurs uh, um, in this country um, uh, where I've got my capital on the line. Uh, helping uh, give uh, experience from the real world that I came from uh, to help them build their businesses. And uh, it, it's been just a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, but most recently, and I think what you're referring to, is I have become a franchisee for Sola Salons. And Sola is a, uh, a franchise company headquartered in Denver. And <clears throat> they've developed a, a really interesting uh, approach to salons uh, for hairstylists uh, primarily uh, who want to sort of take more control of their own life. They don't want to work someone else's hours, listen to someone else's music, not be able to sell product. And so they created a, a scenario where uh, me as a franchisee finds a retail space and uh, remodels it into anywhere between 20 and 35, 40 salons. Uh, each one has a, a lock, and they can control their hours. Uh, we provide them with all of the back-end office material, online scheduling, uh, seminars to grow their business products at wholesale prices so they can pay for the rent by midweek and uh, put the rest of the money in their pocket from just the sale of product. And it's a phenomenal concept, and we opened our first store. We have four under construction. We opened our first store three days ago uh, last Friday. Um, in um, El Paseo here in Palm Desert. Uh, very exciting, very exciting. And that is with your own next gen of franchising uh, involved in the business. Is that not right? Is this not a family business with your children? It is. My children, uh, my, my daughter lives here in California, and my son lives in, 
in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and those are the two areas where we're developing the solo salons, and they are going to be the day-to-day uh, operators of those businesses. Walking the talk, David, there's nothing like leadership by example. For all of those that you're inspiring in Next Gen, uh, you truly have covered the bases from each of the three legs on the stool, from suppliers as well as Zor and Z. David, there are a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that, um, that are aspiring to be uh, David McKinnon in the future. What, what kind of nugget or two might you share here as we come close to running out of time to, um, to those that are on the trail, and what's the one or two things you would tell anyone and everyone that they need to do if they don't do anything else? Well, there's, uh, you know, there's nothing like being your own boss. Uh, however, that materializes itself. Uh, when you control, you know, the saying that someone I heard maybe 35 years ago, um, uh, when you work for yourself, you work twice as hard for half as much money, but you have four times as much fun. And there's just uh, a lot of truth into that. And when you control your own time, you get to decide, uh, you know, what you do when you want to do it. There's just nothing like that. And franchising, uh, on, on any side of that the three-legged stool, uh, particularly being a franchisee, uh, that also counts. And uh, I was uh, so thankful to be part of so many people's lives from getting out of the corporate world into being a franchisee and watching them experience that joy that I experienced when I I did the same thing, uh, that certainly would be uh, at the top of my my, my recommendation. And uh, uh, another would be that if you have a dream uh, of, of building a business, uh, whether it can be franchised or not, I, I would certainly uh, encourage people to chase that dream relentlessly. David, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wished I did? Dan, you're a tough interviewer. I, I see <laughs> 60 minutes in your future somewhere uh, soon. But, uh, no, I've enjoyed the time. I, I did want to add one thing to the history lesson, uh, and that is, um, you know, when you're in franchising, you have to sell franchises. And that's not the easiest thing in the world to do, to convince somebody to leave their secure job and guaranteed paycheck to put it all on the line and bet the family 401k on it. But uh, I had a mentor that I know uh, is a good friend of yours, and without his sage advice and, and from uh, a good friend of ours, Jerry Darnell, who invented the Discovery Day program where you get someone who's looking at your business, but you get them to get on an airplane and come and meet your team, meet your people, see the support system, see the see how it works. If it wasn't for Jerry, I wouldn't have learned how to do that, and I wanted to give a shout-out to him and thank him for his part in the success that uh, we enjoyed at Service Brands International and how to sell franchise the right way. And Jerry Darnell, shout-out to you, my friend. He's going to love that. In fact, I shared with him that I didn't think we could get through this hour without mentioning his name once, and I think that what you've just done doubled down on that and made it twice. So <laughs> happy, happy that you did do that, and what a great way to um, to bring this hour together to a close. Is there any way the audience could stay in touch with you, David, if they wanted to follow up with you beyond today's interview? Any information have, you'd be willing to share? Sure. I have a very simple website. It's simply my name. Uh, it's www.davidmckinnon.com. 
and it's all one word. And uh, there's some simple information there, and there's a contact button at the bottom that you can uh, send me a note, or it, it comes to my email if you'd like to ask me, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, this has been a fantastic hour. It has come and gone as quickly as I knew it would, David. I can't thank you enough for carving out some time to share with our audience some of those life experiences and lessons that you've lived, and uh, we're more than willing to share out with others that have yet to become or find the path to success that you've already journeyed and continue to journey on. And uh, can't thank you again enough for being here with us. Thank you, David McKinnon. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate the time. Thank you. And to the audience, thank you for tuning in and staying with us. We're back again next week and coming weeks. We've got Jade, oh, an incredible uh, couple of guests that are going to be coming along with us for the ride. And um, stay tuned for that. And until then, I'm going to wish you all the best in franchising. This is Stan Friedman for FRM Solutions saying franchise today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solution, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.